Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Cisco Technology Podcast. Uh, it's Justin Woolen, and you can contact me uh, on the podcast at Twitter uh, at Justin Woolen or via email at justin.woolen at cisco.com. That's two O's and one L. So, what are we going to talk about today? So, the, th- the challenge that we've seen in the moment in networks is that they're very big, monolithic, challenging, d- difficult to change, and there's been a sort of a, 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 a discussions going around around how can we simplify networks and how can networks be a bit more commoditized and we talk around or people get talking around you see a lot in the press around software defined networking and so that really stuck with me and I don't really know a lot about it so I just thought let's get the experts in so I'm joined today by three other uh, colleagues at Cisco I've got Steve Kirk hi Justin hello mate uh, Justin Rowling hi Justin and we're joined by James Harrop Hi, Justin. Hello, mate. Right, so thanks very much for coming today. So all you guys are experts, or subject matter experts, in SDN in, in some shape or form. So what is it? What is it? What is the, the problem? I mean, I just mentioned a couple of things I thought of, but what is the problem is that SDN is trying to solve or software-defined network is solving? Well, Justin, I think um, networks have been built very well for a very long time to be incredibly stable, um, very reliable uh, to deliver what what people want, and you know people tend to take the network for granted. You know you, you know the network's doing a good job if nobody notices it, but that's led to people being quite risk averse, people having you know very rigorous change control, uh, and that means it is quite difficult to to make changes quickly. Um, as things have moved towards cloud networking to uh, things that are being rapidly spun up, things that are perhaps created temporarily. Um, the network is starting to be seen by some people as as a blocker, as the as the sort of the, the brakes, um, and people increasingly want to be able to you know respond to those changes quickly, but without sacrificing that uh, that rock solid reliability that that everyone uh, expects from the network. All right, okay, Steve, you got any thoughts? <coughs> Yeah, I think one of the things that is in the title, software-defined networking, can we make the network aware of the software applications running over the top of it from the endpoints? So the network is aware of the users, it's aware of the applications, it's aware of the devices, and it can adapt. One of the problems that we've had, as Justin's explained already, is that networks have historically been extremely static and monolithic. They have been completely put in place seven years ago and never ever touched again. So they're not seen to be delivering any business value. And the online premise of software-defined networking is to make the network application-aware. So it's an adaptive construct as opposed to a static one. Okay, that's, that sounds a bit complicated. Adaptive and what? It's an adaptive. The network can change on the fly. Oh, by right, minute, okay. Day by day. So if you speak in plain language, I understand you. Yeah, so what we, what we want the network to be able to do is to recognise, oh, right, so we've got Citrix application, other applications are available. Yeah. We've got Microsoft, we've got Link, we've got WebEx, we've got numerous applications. How can we make that network application aware? How can we make the network adaptive? Can it respond to the changes okay. that the business are going to place on it? Do you have any thoughts on what the challenges are and what's driving this yeah, process? Yeah, I absolutely do. Um, you're talking about uh, you start to lead from the application to the business there, and I think that's the, the critical thing. And you talked about, uh, and Justin, you talked about the, the network um, being something that you potentially don't see. And I think you know the business, 
for a lot of businesses, it is the thing that kind of underpins a lot of the operations and, uh, and essentially can actually end up affecting the speed the business is trying to move at. Uh, and in the past, I don't necessarily think that's been a problem. As long as it's reliable, I don't see it. And now it is starting to be the thing that kind of has boiled to the top as the applications uh, are going over that. So, um, you know, you may have heard the, uh, this term in the SDN world of, of DevOps. Like, well, what's, what's all that about? Because I knew that was a question you were going to ask me. What's, what's DevOps? Yeah. Well, I wasn't quite there yet, but <laughs> you're warming me up to it. <laughs> now, you know, not, not every business is kind of looking at this, but I think, uh, I think some businesses that are developing, developing software, developing applications in order to, to sustain their business uh, are kind of finding that they can sort of rapidly kind of develop these applications uh, and get this stuff out the door really quickly. So really rapid development software cycles. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, the thing that was thinking, you know, I don't want to get too high fluting in this, but the thing that came through my mind when you were talking then was we talk about digitization and we see that disruption. You either, you mean everything, you mean all new businesses or businesses that they need to be relevant in the future and continue to be, to, be mm. uh, to make money or profitable or whatever, is they need to think about how can they digitize. And the thing about digitization is it drives a lot of change very quickly. Yeah. I want to get a develop. I'm going to develop an app. We're going to develop something that's really going to make my business more. Uh, more profitable, more more productive, and survivable. And survivable. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I'm going to survive in in, in this industry. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to. You know, I don't want to say this about that. You know, that taxi firm, yeah. uh, which yeah. we, everyone seems to talk about, that's really disrupted the market. Is Uber? They've gone out there and they've turned a, a and turned a, a taxi industry into an app. Yeah. And and if business needs to do that, but then the thing is, when you go back to your statement, Justin, of of, but the network's really slow. Yeah. And then, and then your statement, Steve, of the network doesn't have doesn't doesn't really do anything. Doesn't care. It just goes. I'm a bit of plumbing. I'm going to allow this apps to run over me. And as long as they run over me, then and everything connects from A to B, then everything's fine. But if really going to, people don't have that digitization and and have these advanced mm-hmm. applications teams and, de- and developing apps very quickly, the network's going to become that bottleneck now. Is that a fair thing to say, or is that essentially? Just... Yeah, I, th- I, I think that's a fair thing to say. Um, I think some. Businesses, it's all about the applications, the things that run over it, how quickly you develop those applications. Some businesses, it, it might be just how quickly they onboard new sites as they, you know, acquire new companies and they have another hundred sites to add on. It might not be anything to do with the application in some places. It might be just all to do Just with be business quick, as usual. How yeah. quickly yeah. they get that, that those hundred sites across the world into their you know, okay. into their remit. So, and another uh, thing is about about skilled people. Um, I think you know, working at Cisco, it's easy to forget that actually, um, you know, highly skilled network engineers are are a relatively precious resource in the industry. Um, people want to have um, the resources they need, but, but as a business, you don't want to employ more, um, you know, highly skilled, let's face it, highly paid people uh, than you need to. So. Having applications that can get the best out of those people, let those people do the clever stuff that's relevant to the business, but not have to spend you know, four hours driving in a car to get to somewhere just yeah. to, yeah, to do a few minutes of Because that's really interesting, because somebody, not somebody said to me, uh, but I remember reading a stat from a system, I think it might be in a survey Cisco did, that our customers spend 80% of their time doing or keeping their lights on and only 20% of their time actually thinking about innovation and and, and what, what's the next things they're going to do so and I think it's doing that flip of spending 
only 20% of the time of doing that change and 80% of the time doing the innovation and, and being able to go, right, what, what's the other Keeping thing? Keeping up with the needs of the keep, business. Yeah, yeah, and being more agile. Being able to say yes when, when somebody comes and says, can we do this? Being able to say, yes, we can. And in fact, you know, at some point in the future, if you look at some businesses, they've, they've virtually moved to a point where they don't just say, uh, you know, yes, we can do that for you, but they say, you can do that yourself. If you go on to the... IT services portal or to the, um, you know, whatever method, you go and see the help desk and just, um, you know, tell them and it, and it, and it will happen. We, we start to move from having to have meetings and cycles of design iteration yeah. through to just, yeah. you know, drag and drop on a, drag and drop on a website, you know, maybe you supply your credit card, maybe you supply your departmental billing ID, but you don't then need to have a meeting with a CCIE and a project manager and, and wait for 10 weeks. Okay. Yeah, I, mean, I think a good example, I completely agree with that, just I think a good example, for instance, let's say that the business requires a new application, ERP application, whatever it happens to be, um, and they go to the networks team and say, right, we need this set of quality service characteristics, this set of security characteristics to enable this application to run our business. And the networks team historically says, yes, we can do that, um, be about eight months time we, because they've got to go around every single box in the entire organization which can be thousands tens of thousands if it's a global enterprise mm-hmm. yeah wouldn't it be great if we could from one place of management one touch point we could configure the whole network abstract all that complexity and configure from one point okay yeah. that sounds really good because there seems a lot of it's that complexity of the network yeah and how, how long it takes to change seems to be a very common no, theme about what we and you know eight months to change the network was fine when it took eight months or ten months to, to build the app ah. in the first place but as you say now you know people are potentially spinning up you know microservices <coughs> they're prototyping it on their laptop and then they can put it into production you know a day later um, and if 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 that can happen in half an hour or two hours and the network still takes yeah. eight months well if we rush it we might be able to do it in seven months um, yeah, that's yeah. just not good. Well, the feedback we're getting from from our customer base is that you know, you know what, networks team, you're getting in the way. You're stopping us from doing the things that we need to do. Right. So we need to automate the network. So there are two there are two themes there, aren't they? With with the, with the premise of software defined networking. On the one hand, it's a way of automating things that we've always done and being able to do those things in a very much faster way. On the other hand, there's an all new world out there which software-defined networking is potentially going to enable. For instance, getting the network to rapidly adapt, second-by-second second potentially, on a call-by-call call basis. If we can have our uh, IP telephony solution, for instance, talking to a controller to say, can you configure the network, please? So that when, the IT, when the CIO or the CEO or the chairman makes a telephone call, the network offers the very, very best class of service for that particular call. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll it back a bit. Oh, I back or forward a bit. I don't know what it is yet. But we talked about the problem here, and I think we made it very clear what the challenges are and why, why there's need for it. But what actually is? You now, if somebody listening to this podcast, what is software defined networking? What is it? Where does it come from? Because I think we very clearly articulate the statement. Can one of you pick that up? No, it's a good it's a good question, Justin. And as you say, people bandy around the term SDN all the time, but um, it's actually quite a broad range of different things. Of course, you know, SDN started as a concept uh, in you know, some American universities um, and quite a pure concept of creating networks um, on software nodes. Um, and really, 
as a complete alternative to you know traditional networks that, that were being built at the time and to be honest are are still built and so that's one area and, and the most common um, sort of way you see that now is in sort of pure virtual networks if you have a server farm and you have you know, clusters of applications the networking that is sort of self-configured as part of that application you might see that as as a sort of pure example of, of SDN um, but actually in Cisco we we talk about uh, SDN as part of a, a suite of things we talk about software defined networking as well as software defined management software defined security um, but we also talk about programmability and automation because uh, you know just coming back to the to, to the point we, we were getting very excited about the you know the need <laughs> to go from eight months to 30 minutes but actually our customers have to keep the lights on and you know, as we said you know the network the network doesn't um, doesn't get noticed if it's doing a good job maybe it's starting to get noticed now when people say it's too slow but um, you know our customers need to be able to do some of these things um, and and keep the lights on and, and, and not get fired so at the other end of the spectrum still very valid things is some simple automation tasks that perhaps people actually have been doing for a, for a long time they've been scripting changes so that you can do the same change many times um, it, it makes it easier but you know just as importantly it makes you less likely to make mistakes so simple things like that um, a big part of, of what Cisco is doing is trying to make those changes easier trying to make them perhaps um, easier to maintain so that so that people don't have to have very highly skilled programmers and very highly skilled engineers working together all the time to, to do these things um, and uh, there, there's a continuum between between you know pure sort of academic SDN you know very rough and ready scripting and automation uh, and Cisco because we have so many customers we have such a broad range of customers we're we're working across you know, quite, a, quite a broad range of, uh, of different areas that you know, perhaps all come under that banner of SDN. Does anybody else want to add anything? Yeah, uh, I think so. Go um, on, James. Well, on. Yeah, I can see you warming no, up to something. No, uh, yeah, I mean, the thing, that, the, the sort of word that's kind of rattling around in my head at the moment is, is policy. And, and, where I'm, and, yeah. and that, the thing that really sparked that off when <coughs> Justin was kind of talking about the, where SDN's kind of come from and where it's going to um, and, and yeah it, it kind of started off as that thing in the universities as this kind of remote control of a, div of a number of devices that are out there um, and then we sort of moved to this kind of automation kind of thing um, and, and really what, what I guess we're, we're sort of talking about in Cisco is we're actually saying you know the business is the thing and we're actually saying I just want to do this thing and then the network mm. just does it, yeah. So actually, so that's what SDN is—is is about. I want to do this thing, and yeah. I just want the network to, to do it. Yeah, well, I can it back to the, the, <laughs> yeah. the okay. Yeah. And the thing is, the policy we're talking about—you know—there's some kind of intent there. The business wants to achieve something, some kind of goal, and you know they don't really want to actually know, understand, or care, or have the time to care about the intricacies of what it is that needs changing a hundred times over. Uh, and the amount of time that takes. Yeah. So that's kind of where, so really it's kind of all about the intent and the policy okay. that we're trying to reflect in the network in one place 
and, and then move that kind of intent and policy out to everything else in the network. So if I've got that right, the business wants to do something <laughs> and we just want the network to do it like that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that, is, that, that is ultimately where So we that is what in. SDN is, is, is about from a network's yeah. perspective. Because yeah. as you say, we talk about software defined, but ultimately, you know, what's that software doing? Yeah. Um, you know, quite often it's, it's the application because, you know, much as we all love uh, networking and, you know, we earn our living from, you know, the networking side of the, the IT industry, but, you know, the business applications are what the, the senior people in any organization care about. They're typically... Um, unless you're, you know, a, a, a service provider whose business is is, is um, moving, um, you know, packets around the network. For most organisations, the you know the business applications are the most important thing. The network is something underneath it that that delivers that. So having that, as you say, that translation of business policy of what the applications want um, translated as faithfully as possible, as quickly as possible. Um, and also as, as securely as possible. I think you know security is something yeah. that really comes through through all of this. Now, you know, businesses run on the internet or run on their networks, um, so they, they've got to be secure. Um, you know, that's, I'm sure some people will cover in, in a little while, but um, uh, yeah, they, they've. You want to cut out that between expressing business policy and actually that happening, you don't want to have that eight month cycle of yeah. meetings and okay. experts who, you know, at, at the very best can can communicate with each other and you know, quite often we've all been in, in situations where it's got slightly lost between, you know, the meeting that the chief executive had um, you know two years ago and when the project is rolled out and it doesn't quite do what it wants, you know, at least if it well, only takes two Chinese hours. Whispers well that's right. Yeah. But you know, one of the things um, I talk about my colleagues now is, is failing fast, you know, and um, uh, if you if you try something and it isn't exactly right, if that's taken a year, that's a disaster. If yeah. it's taken if it's taken two minutes for you to put something up on the screen and say, well, you know, is is this broadly what you wanted? Um, and they say, no, nothing like it. Well, you've lost two minutes. Yeah, um, oh, I get that. Yeah. So that rapid sort of innovation cycles. Mm. Um, you know, it's not just quicker and, and, and saves more money, but it really can allow things to be tried that, that yeah. just weren't possible before. So hopefully SDN is going to be this thing that's going to allow IT or IT networks to be as agile as the business wants it to be. Yeah. And what is at the heart of this SDN? What is going to make all this work? What's, what's, is, there, is, this, is there one, well, is there one so, thing out there that's so going to make you, it happen? You've got to... Um, in terms of in terms of you know, talking a little bit about the engineering here, you have um, typically in, in these um, software defined networks you have a you have a controller you have a uh, now that you know that that might be a physical box it might be a piece of software in a way it doesn't really matter fundamentally what it comes down to is networks inherently have many many different parts and typically those parts are slightly different if it's a device that you plug a bunch of users into or something that has a, a very expensive transatlantic circuit on one end of it. That, yeah. So, But typically you have, in most networks, you have tens or hundreds or thousands of devices. Um, and when people wanted to um, to make them software defined, you know, to be able to have software that expressed business policy that does something, writing software that went out and talked to thousands of different devices that often different, yeah, different, uh, different exactly that's right um, it was really time consuming and 
also, you know, these devices, they, they might change over time and then the software breaks. You know, people talk about software being very brittle. So having a controller in the middle allows people to write software that talks to that controller and then the controller talks to the different things. And if you take the example, you know, Cisco, um, we have a number of controllers um, and we write the software on all these different boxes and then we write the software on the controller. That allows other people to get on with thinking about the business intent, mm. you know, doing the high-level stuff that you know, we can't possibly know the best way to move parts around the factory floor of a car manufacturer. Um, but why should that car manufacturer have to learn about the different, different mm. ways of making something happen on a catalyst switch versus a, an ISR router or a wireless access point? You know, that's, you know, Cisco, you know, what, Cisco should be doing that for Cisco components. Um, so yeah, the controller, STN controller is like that sort of thing in the middle that translates between the sort of business world and the... And, and is that the thing that's common towards other... As an industry, there's always going to be a controller in there somewhere? Yeah, pr pretty much. I mean, there are still, to be honest, there's still lots of individual projects that go out and talk directly to uh, different nodes within within the network. People always want to go and do something that you know, nobody else has done before. But typically the cost of maintaining that software over time gets higher and higher. So putting a controller in and that, you know, the sort of thing that uh, Cisco's doing now just allows people to move their code and, and change it one more time to talk to the controller rather than directly to the boxes. And you know, quite possibly they might not have to change their software again for years, even though you know the network's upgraded, perhaps even completely, you know, replace one box with a completely different sort of box. But if you're if all you're doing is saying make the director's phone call, um, you know, give the director's phone call, you know, priority on the network, um, then or you know, perhaps more importantly, the guy talking to a customer because um, he's the one who's earning the money, not the not the chief executive. But um, if you, if you just express that business intent. Then you don't really care how it's done, and that's you know, that's and that's what that controller will take away because all I'm going to yeah. do is talk policy down to it, mm. and then that will take it instead of speaking to, like for example, a a a an engineer would go away and configure thousands of devices or hundreds of devices. Mm. I go and, and all the time I, that that would take. yeah, and all the time that would take, and then be able to I just speak to a controller. The controller takes yeah. all, speaks to uh, everyone. And of me. course, I mean one of the things the way that this would work is you could develop your own scripts using a. a a software programming language, for instance Python or whatever else, yeah, to program the controller, or ultimately the place where we eventually want to be is that software vendors will start to release code that can interface to our controller, which can then program the network in accordance with that application. So for instance, na naming no particular companies here, but some of your um, customer relationship management applications, some of your uh, real-time real-time communications uh, protocols, you know, sort of things, applications such as Link or, or Java from Cisco, you know, wouldn't it be great if those applications can talk to that controller and then program the network with the re requisite quality service yeah. and security characteristics that that application requires? Okay. You imagine doing all of that by CLI. Yeah, those, those days are just not. Those, those days are rapidly disappearing. So, are we the are we the only vendor in the market? Are we? Or is everyone else doing it? What's what's your thoughts on that? Well, we're, the, we're the best, obviously. But uh, <laughs> are we, we're, yeah, but we are biased. We are biased. No, it's certainly it, it's an industry. It's an industry trend. Um, in fact, 
I, I don't, you know, I don't think it's too contentious to say that um, Cisco, because we have a large customer base and we have a very broad portfolio, um, we've not been we've not been the first to market with with a number of these things. That's right. mm -hmm. um, but again, that you know, to a large extent, that's because we know our customers can't afford to take risks with their network. Um, they do want to be able to do these useful things, but they don't want to do it in a in a um, you know a risk managed way. Mm -hmm. um, so actually, we have um, you know when we first started um, uh, moving on this, we 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 went first with um, read only applications, things that that read information from the network but didn't make changes. I think one of the things when people are starting to explore this technology, the thing that they are um, most concerned about is you know, a, a, a mistake in, in the software, you know, that people call bugs, but let's face it, they're just mistakes in the software, um, that goes away and you know, destroys your network and uh, you, know, you, you thought that you were um, you know, shutting down the interface on one line that you don't need anymore and the script goes off and shuts down every port in your network and, uh, and you're done. So obviously, you know, to be able to take advantage of these things, you have to slowly um, get more confident with it and build up your framework as to how you manage the risks, how you do change management. But you know, the, the first step in that is to learn how to read information from the network and maybe make suggestions and have a human uh, intervene. Um, but you know, over time, if you want to be able to get to to be able to really take advantage of these things, you have to build up your your ability to, to trust the network to do mm. to do things, say, in, in, almost in real time now. So do you, so. There's one thing that so we've, we've talked about the problem. We've talked about the thing that sits in the heart of SDN is, is a controller. Other vendors are out there in the market. Maybe by the sounds of it, have come out to market before us, Cisco. Mm -hmm. uh, so does it does that mean that with this sort of openness that seems to be coming around SDN about everything, applications speaking to the network, networks speaking to applications, can other people's controllers? Is it to say that anyone's controller can speak to anybody's network, or is it is it like a, a Cisco controller can only speak to Cisco and yeah. and can? I, I think there's been this. I think there's a, a utopia uh, amongst the, uh, I guess the, the the IT community that there is a certain amount of openness and that a SDN controller could speak to a number of different vendors yeah. and I think in, in the past that um, you know and probably still even now that vendors like Cisco and so on have been criticised for, for kind of keeping the code very closed and keeping the you know keeping yeah. it all very proprietary so I think all part of the SDN movement was, was kind of all about having openness and and actually some way of reducing the amount of bugs in software that you talked about and uh, was to kind of uh, have these open source communities of uh, developing software, which also adds to the whole thing of rapid and agile and so on. Yeah. So I think there was um, very much a sense of trying to uh, develop software as part of a, an open community, and Cisco has been uh, Cisco is actively involved in that um, in that community. So there are open controllers out there as well. But so that open controller can speak to anything. Uh, so yes, uh, and there are uh, protocols. Uh, available uh, for those open controllers to be able to speak to but then various to things. So to be absolutely clear, uh, you know, some of, a lot of the vendors are, are producing, uh, including Cisco, producing controllers that are specific to uh, to proprietary gear. So um, 
So I guess there's everything in between. There's, you know, there's totally open controllers that speak open protocols to most vendors so, if they support that. So if I've got that right, so you can have open, open controllers that can speak to open network devices... Where the, there's always a lowest common denominator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, so be the, they've got to, you've got to speak the same language. Yeah. So you've got to speak the same protocol, and, and that's the thing. But how does so if, if if so there's got to be that communication layer. There's a communication between the controller and an application, yeah. which is going to be via via these APIs, mm-hmm. um, which are API. What's that stand for? Application Programmable Interface. interface. Programming interface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interface. So we had some, we had about four blank faces yeah. there. <laughs> in, other, in other words, it's a way of one computer system being able to speak the language of another computer. All oh, right, system okay, fair enough. An interface with it. And then, but then there's what? How did the controller then speak down from the controller down to it? So well, it's, actually, it's probably worth sort of splitting it up into yeah. into different things because. Um, Really, if you're writing software, you know what you care about is the, is, the, is the sort of the next hop, if you like, yeah. the next thing. So, the controller itself, as you say, it talks it talks down to the to the networking components and possibly other components yeah. um, that it's that it's controlling, and then it has to talk upwards. So people talk about northbound, you know, to the to the business applications and southbound, um, and I don't think there's any controller out there. Certainly, all the Cisco controllers are. Open northbound yeah. um, because if they weren't, then you know they wouldn't be of any. So you could pretty much, as long because of the open APIs, you can speak northbound and, and northbound being from a controller north, as in if so you're going to draw a network, if you're going to draw a network diagram or a or a IT diagram, yeah. you'd have the application at the top. Yeah. Then you'd go into sort of middleware, and I'm sounding like IBM now because I always remember <laughs> looking at IBM and going and, yeah. and other companies are out there. Um, <laughs> And then it could go down to to sort of the hardware and the network infrastructure, isn't it? So Absolutely. It, 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 yeah, it, yeah. That's so what you've got those. You've got bound. those. Um, you've got that northbound uh, northbound API, and then you've got a, a southbound API. And the, the most important thing is, if you're talking to the northbound API of a controller, you don't care what's below it, and that's, yeah. and that's the beauty yeah. of it. Particularly, most um, controllers now, certainly the the, the Cisco controllers use something called a RESTful API, and I won't even go into the the, the acronym, but the most important thing is, you know, what a RESTful API means is you don't need to know uh, about how something is done, you just ask for, tell me, tell me all the devices on the network, or give me the configuration of this device. Um, You don't know how it's done, and you don't care, and, you know, most importantly, it can change over time. Um, and, and you don't have to change the way yeah, your software yeah. works. It's almost like a, a library of uh, a summarised library of instructions to be able for that controller to be able to go off and do a bunch of other things that are probably far more complex. But the guy writing the application doesn't. So, really so the guy at the app doesn't yeah. need to know how, to, how a network works or how well, to configure yeah, a network. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. All he wants to do is be able to write his policy and tell a uh, tell the controller what to do to the network. Yeah. So and then from the controller down. What happens yeah. there? So again, the, you know, the the there's there's a there's a range of options. Yeah. Um, now, ideally, and this is something that you know Cisco are moving to um, over time. To be honest, we're moving we're moving quite slowly because you know we, we we're taking it very carefully because we, we don't want to break things for for existing customers. Um, but we're moving to having restful APIs um, for the devices so that the controller can talk uh, can make. Restful API calls, not needing to know 
how the device actually does it. So that RESTful API then, would that be in all new equipment or is it could be something that's going to happen in the future? Is it there now? It's, it's, it's coming in. So it's, it's already there in um, some of the routers, probably you know, more, yeah. the majority yeah, of the routers now with, yeah. the, with the latest software, with the firewalls, um, and again, actually, with the, with the switches, with the latest switches. So it's, it's coming, it's, we're, probably, we're probably more than halfway there. Um, As in, so the products that are coming out now are all able to do this restful. Oh, they have that capability in them. But what about the stuff that's been out there for years? Well, this is why we... Because we, we, I mean, one thing I find when I speak to customers, yeah. our, kit, our kit stays in, mm-hmm. in their premise for yeah. a long time. Yeah. So this is one of the reasons why we still support CLI or, or command line interface to our devices from southbound from southbound from the controller into the switches into the routers we also support CLI as well so what we will do is we will fire up a secure connection from the controller into the device and then we can still configure that device using CLI from the controller okay. that preserves investment protection because not everybody's going to throw out all of their care right and just buy everything new so that they can okay. do nice SDN yes yeah, so you've, you've got potentially you know Devices in a network that were made, you know, years ago, long before anyone imagined that you know they would ever be controlled by, uh, you know, a, a, an SDN controller. Um, but because we're, as well as supporting these new sort of RESTful APIs, we also support CLI. We've been able to sort of retrofit SDN capabilities into existing networks, and you know, our customers like so, that. So that's great because. It, from in my mind, then you've got old customer customers who've got old kit, and customers will have a mixture of both. Mm-hmm. They'll have some new tin, yeah. we'll have some older tin, and so no one, we're not we're not excluding anybody from no. this. I think there is a nervousness among some customers about uh, embarking upon the SDN road because some people are a little bit worried about intelligence speaking to the network. But if you think about it, the network is actually software. It's software in the devices making all the intelligent decisions. So in a way, if you think about the controller and you think about the network, it's a software-to-software communication that's taking place. That's existed in the world of servers and applications for years. So there's nothing actually that new if you really think about this. It's a software-to-software communication mechanism. Yeah. Okay. No, that's a, that's a really good point. Something like a, a routing protocol. Um, you know, we, we, all, we all take for granted. Nobody says, oh, that's it's too risky, you know, having the ability for... Exactly. You know, there's a router over in the corner of the network that could suddenly start telling routers all over the network yeah. to throw this type of traffic away. So, yeah. well, no, that, that's, that's the risky. idea of having this, you know, that sounds very risky, I don't think we'll do that. Well, you know, that's how routing protocols have worked for, yeah. for decades. So you're saying that a machine-to-a-machine software communication is like a routing protocol yeah. between yeah, a router, router and one part. It's nothing new. Exactly. It's nothing new, but it's, it's, it's the concept of going, I've got a controller telling yeah. my network exactly. what to do. Oh, my God. Yeah. The difference but is it's, we trust it. It's something that you know, we've, we've slowly built up. I mean, once upon a time, people would only have static routes say, oh, I'm not going to have a dynamic routing protocol. Yeah. That, I remember know, that, them days. This newfangled <laughs> stuff is, is too risky. Whereas now, you know, now we trust it. And you know, over time, people will come to trust these new techniques it's no, it's no different. You still need to think about the risks and the benefits of any change. You still need to think about um, being able to go back and reverse. You know, if you're going to make a change on the network, how do you reverse it if, if there's a problem? Um, and the, perhaps the, the real difference is, um, in the past, people used to think about making changes that would affect the network for years to come. Um, and 
So you would, you would do change control on some configuration changes. In the future, we'll do change control on the software that controls the network. So the, the, network, the changes to the network will be made by the software. But, when you, but that software has been rigorously tested and you trust that software. And now um, we do change control on changes to that software. We trust the current version, um, but if you want to come along and add some new feature, then you, know, you need to very carefully test that. So that's, that's just building up the maturity of the way you know, IT operations start to work with this. And okay. you know, there's no real mystery to it. But there's one thing that comes to mind. I get asked this, I've been asked this a few times both by customers and some t- and internal as well, is they go, but, but when we talk about making changes to the network, all sounds a bit like network management. So what's the difference between like sort of network management and an SDN? Network management is your typical, what we call your FCAPS um, type what? of function. FCAPS. What's that so mean? Fault management, configuration, application, uh, performance management, security management, FCAPS or something. And I'm the, glad you did that because <laughs> yeah. I didn't have a clue. So you think is you see uh, with network management, it's things like um, it's things like backing up the configurations on the routers, set, making sure that the time is synchronised on all the routers, having mm. a look at what things like the performance of the links, what's happening, what's the utilisation of the links around the network. That tends to be more network management. What we're talking about here is the policy of the network and how the network is going to be configured in accordance with the central policy. So what, what's change the Essentially on a... Yeah, change... So change to... So, okay then, so... Where do, where do these both fit? Is there, is there room for network management? Is network management going to go away? No, or, not, not no. at all, no. no. I think certainly um, network management is, is going to need to continue, but one of the things... We, we, we often talk about um, systems of record and systems of change... And increasingly now, um, network management is going to be the, the, the system of record. Um, so that's where, as you say, your mm. configurations are backed up. That's mm-hmm. where you go to understand you know, how the network um, is performing. But if, the, if, the network man- if you want to do some provisioning, you might well use the network management system. But rather than the network management system going out and individually touching every different device, it will go to the controller and will make the controller do those changes. So th- there's place for both then? Yeah, the sounds of it. Absolutely. Well, not place for both. It's compulsory to have yeah, both. Yeah, so, so one's gonna, you're going to store your information, you're going to build your trends, build your analysis, build your analytical information of your network's mm-hmm. performance in your network management tool. And then you'll, if I do want to make a change or want to create a policy, I'll create a policy and then use the con- SDN infrastructure with the controller. Yes. To make that change onto the network. Absolutely, yeah. Yes. yeah. So I think there's one other there's one other sort of difference that um, SDN compared to network management. It, what 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 it enables is more um, sort of tightly coupled uh, feedback cycles. So typically with network management, it was a relatively slow thing. You would make changes occasionally mm. on the network, really as part of provisioning or you know. Like a rollout or something, yeah, exactly. making a change out of it, taking out the old, putting um, in some new kit. The, the, once the network is 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 controllable by by software, you have the ability to have feedback loops that do um, they, they do things like actually read information from the network, make adjustments, uh, and then push that information back down. So 
uh, as an example, if you start to see congestion on the network in a particular area, um, rather than a skilled network operator thinking, oh, I think I'm going to um, tweak OSPF, tweak OSPF or, or, or change a circuit, change a route to move the traffic, you can potentially have a, a, a feedback loop within the software which, which actually makes those adjustments in real time. Um, and you can add intelligence um, that both reads information from the network into that software and then makes changes. So if, if I think you're about the right, so if I try to give an example, if somebody was on a video call and the network started, so the network management tool would start to see uh, poor, poor performance, lost packet mm -hmm. uh, jitter or delay, uh, which causes uh, packet loss jitter and causes deletion delay, is then it could say to the controller, you need to make a change, make this change, change happens automatically, and then it'll be able to feed that back up to the... Absolutely. Whereas in the past, you know, the network management system would flag up an alert. And you'd sit there and go, human. yeah. Yeah, well, and yeah a, a good analogy I'd like to use is, 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 a, is, the, is the world of wireless, wireless line controllers. For instance, you've got lots of APs dotted around. An AP suddenly changes, the, the radio resource management changes in that particular area. There's a lot more. So, there's a lot of change goes, yeah, because they change the frequency, you can yeah. be on your channel, you can change your power set. You're going on to a subject I know something about yeah, now. So, so, so what, what happens there? It signals that back to the controller, and the controller then dynamically adjusts the power of all the other APs. And so, what something that would just happen. That something that again to the point you raised earlier on about you I mean this has hap been happening for a while. It's here. not just been out here today. Be yeah. Devices, APs changing, network changing. I mean yeah. changing channel, yeah. changing power. Um, yeah. It's been so, around for a while. So yeah. we're just and taking that, that into the that wired part of it. That's right. Yeah. And again, as you say, that something people now. I think in almost all circumstances, um, people deploying a large wireless network wouldn't dream of doing it without a controller. They say. It would be crazy to go out and configure every individual mm. Wi-Fi access point. I mean, yeah. once upon a time, especially when I started adapt. working with 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 wireless uh, networks, you went and configured each access point. You maybe had a grand plan. You had a spreadsheet with which which yeah. channels you put them onto. Nobody, nobody in their right mind would do that now. You have a controller that does that, and I, I it's, genuinely it's, think in you know in ten years' time. People will say, well, you know, what do you mean? You know, how do you configure this up? Surely you just let the controller sort that out. Nobody so does it's that. It's just interesting. The one thing, and, and I had never thought of this, but it's just gleamed to me since I've been here with you three, is that this seems to be more around getting used to getting used to it. Yeah. There's the changes it's happening. Trust, it's it's, it's, it's yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, getting yeah. Mature, technology mature, maturity. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. That's it, and it's just things have just moved on, and, and this is how things are going to happen in the future. You're not going to sit there and have the need to sit down and configure routers and switches anymore no. because you just tell the controller to do it. Yeah. But what You're is just going to ultimately it's software speaking to software, and, and that that's concept is decades so it just, old. It sounds like just get used to it. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. but there's another thing actually that just comes to me thinking about thinking about wireless because wireless networks were one of the earliest areas of technology where people started to see the information that was generated by a wireless network as actually valuable to the business so you know once you can work out where you know where customers are or where forklift trucks are in a uh, in a warehouse then you know you can do some really useful things you know the, the the wireless LAN controllers came out of the need to configure the network and make that mm. work well together. But actually now, people are taking that capability um, and actually exposing it to the business applications. Who yeah. say, this is great. We can track customers around the supermarket, see how long they spend yeah. in front of the cornflakes. And 
again, when this technology for the wider network matures, as well as being a benefit to the network, it will allow that information to be exposed to the business. Yeah, so that's the thing is, just to take that point then, and I, and I know we've got to move on um, a little bit, but it's, w- controllers were invented to make the net wireless network easier. We then found out actually you can get more business inf- business relevant, and we've done a podcast now, the amount of connected mobile experience or Wi-Fi analytics, and we've done one on that already. But the thing that's coming to mind now is, is we're going to automate the network just because it's just going to make things easier to run and make IT more agile and business relevant. Yeah. We don't know what, what the benefits are going to come, but we sure, sure know that there are going to come about that's being right. able to have that ability to more automate. information. Because you're going to get be able to extract more information from the network, spot the patterns, make a change very dynamically. That's going to make, that's going to all gather information from the network that you never thought would be relevant yeah. before. Yeah, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you're seeing what you didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got a we've we've got a controller, and we talked a bit about apps, and we talked about how the controller speaks to the network. But what kind of apps are we talking about? What kind of apps do you think would benefit? Well, I think one of the biggest ones is, is anything to do with quality service. And and if anyone's ever configured quality service before on a Cisco network, any of the listeners have ever done that, they'll know what an onerous task that truly is. And quality service is going to get even more involved and even more flexible. For instance, we've got a technology called Application Visibility Control at Cisco, where we can peer deeply inside port 80, the HTTP port, web traffic port, there can be hundreds, thousands of different applications riding across that port. Okay, we've got applications such as YouTube, for instance, or it could be a business critical app like Salesforce.com or development applications, mm-hmm. all running inside port 80. So Cisco routers and Cisco wireless and, and soon Cisco switches will have the ability to be able to deeply look inside port 80 and extract information about, the, about what's going on on the network. Now, you imagine trying to configure all of those applications manually on a box-by-box, link-by-link on the command line. It's just never going to happen. If you can do that from one central place, or better still, you can get an application to speak to the controller and then tell the entire network, please treat YouTube traffic, for instance, in a completely different way. Classify it, give it different quality service characteristics, Throw it away if need be. So that's a, that's an app. So an application that can dynamic that you can very quickly create policy, quality of service policy yeah. based on the applications that you see in the network and push them out very quickly, simply and easily. Absolutely. Right. So instead imagine, of being able to read the three hundred odd page quality of service best best right. practice guide or yeah. whatever it is, you right. imagine trying to do that by the command line. Yeah. yeah. It, w- it, it and doesn't say people people obviously you know they do. They do do that, but they do the minimum they need to do, yeah. and and then they don't want to change it because because of, of the because of the risk averse. Exactly, that's right. Yeah. So and again, yeah. you know, everybody has to interpret it. Um, you know, the, in in the in the future with an SDN controller, the the you know the people who interpret that very uh, low level detail that ultimately is translating the capabilities of a of a silicon chip mm. to business policy. You know, a large amount of the heavy lifting there can be done by the Cisco engineers, and it's done once, and then everybody who uses that software can take advantage of, of that that deep understanding. So we've got, and, we, and this is a leading question because I know we've got an app coming out, an application that comes out. It's out. It's out for our it's controller. In beta, for, in beta at the moment. In beta but, is it? Okay. But it's out. All so, right. Okay. So the the, the Cisco um, enterprise networking uh, controller, which is called APQM. 
um, is out in general release. It's free, available, and so we make download. It's free. It is free, and uh, and there is an application that sits on top of that um, that that you know kind of comes with the application uh, with, with the controller, uh, and that application's in beta at the moment. So uh, yeah, the control is 1.1, general availability and, uh, and quality of service app. So the on one there. thing that you flag there is, is 1.1. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and people don't like to deploy 1. some things, or one, especially one zero. Well, it's better, it's <laughs> one up from 1.0, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so is it, you mean, is it something that our customers should, should, should play, play around with? Just get down and well, just get, get, get the touchy-feely, get, get used to it? Yeah, I think absolutely, I mean, um, Steve sort of uh, mentioned it earlier, you know, um, we had the, or probably just the, actually, the, the talked about uh, applications that are there already on the controller that are not particularly invasive, but they do, they read the information about the networks, so they're so not going to make any changes. So things like um, a trace uh, on the network, so uh, a path trace, uh, so we've got an application do? on there. That goes out and looks at um, a, a route a packet might take across a network, going from point A to, to point B. So, for example, if I if, a if, a if, C, I, if I, I want to know say. the data flow between a, yeah, yeah. a a laptop and a uh, maybe an application server or a yeah. laptop and another Absolutely. laptop, Absolutely. I can just type in the the IP address, or I can find it because I, I, we can find it in your inventory. So we're back to the kind of the system of record here that we've kind of pulled into the controller, and we sort of go. Oh, we know there's a we so know there's a device on the network. We know there's a whole bunch of other devices hops along the way. We've got that in our database, as it were, of devices, uh, and uh, and we can actually see um, the path that that packet takes. So you just go network. so on the, in the control, it builds an inventory. Yeah. It builds a topology of yeah. your network, yeah. um, and then from there you can be able to go. I want to know how Steve Steve's laptop and Justin's laptop are communicating. What route they would take, or what flow yeah. would it take across the network, both yeah. ways. And that will so it's something about just making or doing something that's in not evasive invasive invasive using yeah. yeah. the right word. It's, purely, it's a read only. So it's, it's something you could do that a customer could get benefit from yeah. without without actually doing any damage. Yeah. Very risk free. So yeah. A real operational benefit. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And troubleshooting. We've got right? customers yeah. writing applications. For instance, we've got a couple of our customers in Germany um, who are writing applications to interface to the Northbound API to drag things like intelligence, like, for instance, the multicast tree. You know, if we, this, this particular customer, it delivers uh, CCTV and TV services to hospitals, you know, the, be the bedside sort of thing, and they want to see the multicast tree that's used to deliver those services. With, with APKM, or the controller, they can write a script to interface into APKM and extract that intelligence out and build a graph. Well, you imagine doing that without those tools. It's not okay. so easy. So there's so there's some apps there you get that that are that you get with with Cisco. So we've got uh, we've got EasyQuads, it's in beta. We've got PathTrace, Path Path yeah. and then you've got the. Oh, we've got the topology. Topology sort of okay. and, and yeah. I think one of the other key ones that we I, I mentioned earlier about real kind of um, tangible physical uh, sort of benefit from yeah. the control. Uh, we have a plug and play. Um, We've had plug and play though around there for a while. We, that was been in in, a, in our management platform Prime as well. That's true. Yes, there's been yeah. there's been you know, several iterations of, of plug and play. All of them have needed a certain amount of, of um, either preparation or or sort of skilled um, tuning to, uh, by by an engineer to, to to get them working from from completely from scratch. And um, you know, what this new application. 
um, gives you, it gets you much closer. There's still some corner cases, but it gets much closer to genuine zero touch provisioning where you can just order a box, um, plug it into the network completely, you know, unwrap it from the cardboard and then the plastic, yeah. plug it into the network, switch on the electricity, and it will come up on the network at, you know, without any skilled intervention. At so all. from a rollout perspective, it, it's a, it, I, I don't need to have a skilled engineer going out no. everywhere. And that's a very big expense to many businesses. I mean, to pre-stage switches, yeah. Yeah. you've got to employ someone to do it, you've got to get shipped them all to one particular point to do it. Sometimes you've got to pay for the space to store all these Space stuff, to store yeah. it, yeah. that's wow. a huge, huge cost. In okay. fact, we, we, we know one, one of our very large customers that we have in the UK they, they amortise that cost in the thousands per device. Wow. It costs to actually do that. So, but that's something that a customer, we talk about evasive, invasive, I keep... Evasive. <laughs> no, invasive, sorry. Uh, but that's something that you could even just practice with. You mean, if you've got a switch yeah. and say, yeah. right, in the, in the lab or in your, you mean, in your IT department, just go, right, I'm going to turn this switch on and it discovers the controller and then it will get its config down. You go, oh, it's worked. Oh, it's not yeah. worked. Oh, there you For go. Free. For free. But what I mean is it's something that you could take a baby step into. No, Before I you want to start throwing out quality of service, right. oh, I'm going to make quality of service yeah. on the network. Oh, I've made a change and we now everything's about, stopped working. We yeah. talked about maturity cycles. And yeah. you know, it, it, you know, we can't say that this is absolutely mainstream. Everybody's doing it. But um, if, you, if you don't t- start to take steps, then you will potentially fall behind. Certainly, in our experience, most of our largest customers and, and many of our other customers are starting to try this software now, uh, starting to do, as you say, the sort of read-only application, starting to play with it in their lab. Um, and it's only by doing that and building up incrementally the skills and the trust that you'll ever be able to move forward to really get the, the, the benefits, the cost and, of ownership benefits and the business benefits. And the, and the other thing that I know we talked about when we were preparing for this call was that the, the, the point of apps, these apps, and we, these are apps that Cisco's just created, yeah. but the customer can go out and create their own yeah, apps, can't they? Write their own. Write your own. Yeah. And so we talked about the, the, the PathTrace app, for instance. So the app gives you, you know, a nice graphical representation of Steve's laptop and then a switch and then a router and then perhaps a GRE tunnel through a service provider cloud and then another router and then a switch and then just... Now, that's lovely and it's, it's nice... But if you wanted to integrate that into your own software, instead of seeing that on a nice graphical screen, you can get that as, as the response to an API call. So, if, if, so you know, for, a, for an operator, a nice graphical representation is great. But if you're writing software that's doing something clever... Your help desk or something. Yeah, you don't want to scrape that information off a web page and reverse engineer it. You want to get the raw data fed straight into your program. And, and so as well as the GUI, there's also a set of API calls that give you the same information in, in an easy-to-consume way for a, for, a, for a piece of software. And that's, okay. the, that's the key thing. You know, there are apps that give you, you know, sort of a fully-baked application to, to use, but there are also these low-level API calls that allow customers to develop their own apps and, and partners. To yeah, and that's the other thing. So, go on, Steve. And, and what, just, just to add to that, Justin... Which one? Remember, just, 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 just there's two Justins in the room. Yeah, just to, just to add to Justin's point that um, we published API for free. Yeah. Dev, devnet.cisco.com or is it developer.cisco.com? It's the Devnet, isn't it? Devnet. Well, but oh, is yeah, it, which one? Fact, Go, yeah, just there Google are, it. Actually, just, just, uh, just talking geeky techie for just one second. Actually, I thought we'd been too geeky techie all the way through this. Perhaps it goes up a level, but um, the, 
that the way these these modern applications work, they have they have a, a effectively a self-documenting API. You can go onto the product and you can you can access the documentation, and in the documentation, it lets you try out and you know, it lets you fill it in, and you can generate the computer code that you need to, to talk to this program from the web page. So, to be honest, you know, without needing to be a, you know, a lifelong computer programmer, you can start to generate little scripts that you can then start to play with. And you know, maybe it's only just to prove a concept, but um, you know, it's so cool that you can do this stuff straight from the from the API, you don't need to. You don't need to go on a training course. You don't need to sign up to some sort of development legal agreement. Yeah. You can literally just click on a few web pages, and, and it's all laid out. Yeah, for the startup cost is zero. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's it's also. I mean, it's anyone can say it's free, and that's simple and easy. But it's about people, customers, partners, ourselves, giving ourselves the time to go away and look at it. Yeah. Let's yeah. look at this because if you don't, and you don't see the importance of how you can automate. And take away and bring in programmability mm. and develop applications that speak by these open APIs to the network to the controller. Then you're going to start to fall behind because there's companies out there who are doing it now. Mm. There's organisations out there doing it now, and you've got to give, we've got to give ourselves time to do this. And, and that's why I wanted to take the time to have this podcast. Yeah, to, so I've got three experts in the room to wow. do it for me. And, and um, I think something else that's worth kind of mentioning at this point. The network expert will never go away because the network's always going to be there and there's always going to be the person that has that expertise that needs to understand essentially how yeah, things work. Commands and things, yeah. yeah. But the network yeah. still needs to be built. It still uh, has yeah, to be designed and pulled together. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just that how long it takes you to write all that CLI. Mm-hmm. That speeding I, I, it up. We're it just not, all we're just speeding yeah, up. We're not yeah. taking it away. We're speeding yeah. it up. And, and, yeah, and when yeah, I yeah. came into you yeah. know from my other podcast, I am a bit of a Wi-Fi fanatic. Um, but when I came into Wi-Fi as well, like you said, Justin, I was sitting there programming on CLI and access point by at a time. I then went on to controllers. The controllers got better. But I'm still, but my expertise is still there, and, and, and you still need to understand how, how networks work to mm. build them properly. Because mm. anyway, if you you, you you take away the autom- you add the automation, but you still need to fundamentally know how it works and how to put yeah. it together. Because if you don't put it together correctly or design it correctly, it won't work. That's Doesn't matter right. how much you automate yeah, you it. Your OSPF and your BGP and your spanning tree and all those sort of things are still going to be there. It's still going to be there. So if you don't do it right and don't program yeah. and, or write the app or the programming capability into the controller right. But to ask the right questions or to make the right changes to the network, you're still going to break it. No, absolutely. But I think in terms of in terms of skills, you say most network engineers, you know, traditionally uh, expected to need to know, you know, a fair amount about BGP and spanning tree and you know, access control lists, various technologies. Um, I think in the future, um, networking engineers you know, need to give serious thought to adding some sort of basic level of scripting, programming to that portfolio. It's not necessarily going to be something that everybody needs to do, but certainly it's a very valuable thing to have on your CV, you know, yeah. in, in addition to skills in you know, switching and routing or telephony yeah. collaboration. Just enough to be able, if, if, if nothing else, just to be able to communicate with the, with, the, with the specialists. If you're troubleshooting a network that's controlled by software, having some understanding of how that software works um, you know, will will help you. Mm. And you say you're always going to need those networking skills. But yeah, you know, as this as this technology moves on, then adding that to your portfolio will mean that you can do more yourself and have to ask for yeah. help from others less. Okay. So, 
just r- r- rounding things up. So we, the problem is networks are slow to change. Slow to change. Slow yeah. to change. change. We Listen, did talk about blisteringly fast. Blisteringly fast. Yeah, for, yeah. Shifting <laughs> packets here, there, and everywhere at a super fast speed, but slow to change, and that's that's not allowing businesses to be as agile as they as they want to be, as agile as other parts of the business already are, mm-hmm. and that are demanding from IT and networks. And then that's why sort of SDN came out. It's got a controller in there. And that controller speaks uh, APIs northbound to applications and APIs southbound to there. We can also speak to legacy. Mm-hmm. So it's just not your old, old, older 6 equipment. It's your current and also your future. And it's about customers thinking about using the applications, the non-invasive applications that you get free with our controller, the APIC-EM. So APIC-EM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So application policy Interface, interface controller. controller enterprise module enterprise module good glad you just call it APG just call it APG okay and you get the free apps in there so you've got path trace uh, you've got the uh, topology you've got plug and play uh, and easy quads which is in beta now yeah and, and go away and give yourself time to play with it to look at it to get used to it and start thinking about how you can put time into your Absolutely. development, yeah. your personal development to become... On, on that note, on, on playing with it, a, a, a key resource um, for, for anyone who's got a Cisco logon is dcloud, demo cloud. So um, if people go to dcloud.cisco.com, um, there are resources there to help you, you know, look at and play with uh, APKM amongst lots of other things as well. So dcloud is a fantastic resource. If you're giving demonstrations to your customers, it's a fantastic resource. But yeah. frankly, it's also a great resource to learn. To, to learn to as well. Yourself. So, so it's quite as a safe yeah, environment. You're not yeah. going to break anything. You're not going to yeah. do any damage to your own network. But it's going to give you uh, confidence mm-hmm. and exposure to this to this new the way that networking is going. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, guys, Steve, thank you very much. Justin, thank you very much indeed. James. Um, we, it's been really great to have these guys in the room. They all live in very different parts of the country. Uh, you might have worked out this is one of the more noisier podcasts that we've done because we are in a in a um, in a uh, meeting room in a hotel in the, in the Midlands because that was the easiest way to get everyone together. Um, otherwise, or maybe we just got one of you at a time and then just been an even longer podcast. But um, thanks, thanks guys for for joining in today. Thanks for you for taking part and thanks for your expertise. Hopefully, you've uh, enjoyed listening to this on on the uh, on the podcast and. Um, if you want to learn more, uh, go to Cisco DevNet uh, or Google Cisco DevNet, Google APIC-EM uh, or go to cisco.com forward slash go forward slash APIC-EM. I'm sure that that's the, that's the link to it. You'll find out if it isn't. Um, and if you want to contact the podcast, uh, you can contact me at, at, at Justin Woolen on Twitter or via email at justin.woolen at cisco.com. So uh, thank you very much and thank you guys and let's see you on the next podcast. Mm-hmm.